Before we get started, I want to make just a quick plug. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably pretty well aware of what 55.1 does. We're a group of writers who want to write about and obsess over soccer. I started writing because I just didn't see really anything out there on the team that I loved, and I figured I might as well be the one to make it. But then this thing grew, and here we are, breaking some pretty big stories and writing about all aspects of soccer throughout the state. And I'm pretty proud of what we've built, and I hope you are too. So this week, this last week, we launched a patron site for 55.1, and the idea is simple. It's an NPR-style, donate-a-few-bucks-a-month patronage. That money goes to our writers, because I don't know if people recognize how much work goes into making this website happen. Every article has multiple sets of eyes on it, and we're constantly collaborating behind the scenes and bouncing ideas off of one another. So please take a minute, check out the information on the bottom of any of our posts, and support us with whatever you can. Thanks a lot. And welcome to this episode of the 55-1 Podcast. I'm Jeff Reuter, slowly coming on to the mend, and sitting across from me is Wes Burdine. Hey Wes. Hey. I just uh, realized you were kicking it off and you've got that you've got that uh underwater uh I just had a cold feel to it's, you. It's it's beautiful. It, it's like I'm slowly kind of resurfacing from under the water. I have stories of whales to tell you. Oh. Uh I can't tell you right now though. I have to kind of process exactly which orifice of the whale I came out of <laughs> before I can really tell you more about my experience this weekend. So oh, stay tuned. Oh man. Yeah, really really unsexy Jonah. Um that's so, me, I'm uh, sexy Jonah. Uh, the healthy one here, uh, quite rarely, is, is me. And um, so this week on the podcast uh, is the third law of thermodynamics, which is that MLS will always keep expanding. Uh, and if a team plays a friendly in the forest and no one is there to, uh, okay, you know the rest. Yeah, um, we've got uh, we've got the whole good, the bad, and the weird roundup, and we've got. Minnesota United news, and we've got a whole lot of questions from people because the Minnesota United news is pretty freaking scant this week. For um, once, we finally get yeah, a little bit of reprieve. Once. So, which is nice. so we're going to try to take all 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 these dumbass questions and uh, and and process them um, in the most positive sense of dumbass. Um, <laughs> so let's let's take a break. I'll go rethink about my phrasing. <laughs> Welcome back to the 55.1 Podcast. That music, by the way, was Big Quarters, who's a great band from the Twin Cities, who's nice enough to let us use their music. So we use their music every single damn week, and we love it. Someone was like, oh, maybe you should change it up. I was like, okay. Why? Why would we change it up? I mean, maybe like interludes. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and do... (laughs) Because I don't have access to that much music, so... (laughs) We're going to do The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, which is our weekly whip around of the three stories from world soccer that didn't happen in Minnesota every single week. Let's start with The Good. Let's start with the good. Yeah, Did you, and and you can tell me if you've you've heard this story before, but um, the African Cup of Nations final was this past weekend, just yesterday for us. Uh, Cameroon stormed back after going down one nothing uh, against uh, Egypt. Mm-hmm. 
Did you watch this? Uh, I didn't watch it live. I ended up okay. watching the highlights. Afterwards. Okay, you did. You did at least see the highlights. So I've always had something of a soft spot for Cameroon, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, it was. I don't know what it was. I think it was like just the word "indomitable." Uh, is, is, <laughs> That's part is of really, it, I yeah. think. And I, th- I think okay. Samueletto was another part of it. Sure. Okay. And then just the fact that they were like the first team to wear like just skin tight green or oh, yellow yeah. kits, and I was just like, "That is cool." Yeah. And uh, they weren't good. They've never really been good on like the World Cup scale. But for some reason, uh, they've never they I think they've, they've never lived up to their expectations. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, probably if they were called Burkina Faso and they had the level of results, people would be blown away. But yeah, they hadn't won an African Cup of Nations since two thousand two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the first half, uh, I think it's Salah. I wrote down Salah, and I then th- just, I think it was. I just started to doubt that. Put he put in a just an absolutely superb goal. Uh, in in it's the near post corner. It was basically just like the tiniest p- portion of the upper ninety that he could have gotten it into. And then they came back. Cameroon came back in yes. the second half, yep. and they drew level in the fifty ninth. And then they won it in the eighty eighth minute. Uh, there was a long ball that was launched forward, and Abu Bakar brought it down with a chest trap, like in the air, and just like an abs. I'm watching it on my phone as we're recording this because I can't get enough of it. Okay, just there's three defenders around him, does kind of like a, a heel kick above his head. It's a, uh, so I think I think it's a sombrero. I think we can call it a I sombrero. I think we can go fish it because it's and kind then of a volley. behind the back. It's yeah. remarkable, absolutely remarkable goal. It's it's a like he's kind of falling over the whole time and somehow holds it together. It's not exactly the most graceful. But the fact that he is falling over and all this is going on and he still gets it and then on the volley he puts the ball away. Those sound a little bit like the lyrics to an Adele song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, she's in my brain all the time. All the time. So it's fantastic. And uh, I, have a, I have a personally a soft spot for, for Egypt. Uh, maybe just Bob Bradley. Okay. I think it's just Bob Bradley. So Norway is your new country of choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he didn't take over Norway. Oh, I think right. Lars. I thought he got the job, and then like, and then I thought Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, whatever, um, got it, and then apparently Lars Lagerbach got named. So well, it's the third person I thought was named, but uh, the bad expansion, uh, MLS expansion. We talked a little bit about it last week, but I, I'm kind of curious for you, Jeff. Ooh. What you've got twelve teams. What teams have actually handled this well? Because you've got, um, let me let me just yeah, let me yeah, just yeah, go do the run through. Some have been absolutely silent, like Phoenix. Who knew Phoenix had actually been? I'll be honest. Until I reread these notes today, yeah. I forgot Phoenix had put in a. Bit. And some of them have been super flashy, Tampa Bay. Um, some of them have been absolute fucking tire fires, like Sacramento. And some have been uh, competent. Indy, for example, but no one thinks that Indy's going to get it. Right. And that's the weirdest part. I mean, like, Raleigh is another one where it's like, oh, they put in a bid? Really? All right. But you look at some of these, I mean, then the other ones that kind of have major caveats with it, like you look at, like, a St. Louis, that's a stadium issue, you know, and that's an issue of, okay, is this going to pass San Diego? Uh, It's another thing kind of a payment for the stadium and things like that. So as far as which ones have done well, weirdly, going through the public turmoil might but then having resolved it within like 72 hours might be okay with Sacramento. But to me, I looked at that and it's like, well, San Diego just passed them. And I've always kind of had a gut feeling uh, because in 2017, you live off of gut feelings that it's going to be one or the other, not both California bids getting an MLS expansion spot. I mean, you could put two teams, two more teams in California and you still have not saturated. Um, so you cer- it's certainly reasonable. I, I 
I looked at the the four teams that I thought would get it. Uh, San Diego, Sacramento, St. Louis. Um, that's three. I assume that St. Louis can find something that, yeah, that's three. And then the the last one is up. If Miami still is going to be it, I don't, I just don't think Tampa gets it. No. Um, I'm trying to remember what my four, because I tweeted out my four. And I, Detroit is De- the other one that I think Detroit, would be likely, but I don't think they have a site, do they? Well, they had that jail site. And the jail, I think it's proposed, going to be a jail. Yeah, so we'll see. I've, I've got my money on Sacramento as of this second, but that changes every day with which California. St. Louis, San Antonio, I think has got a good shot at it too. And uh, I think Detroit, but it would be one of those kind of Midwest three or four that were in the mix. San Antonio is a funny one, right? Because... Again, you would think, why is San Antonio not being talked about more? Um, well, it's like three hours away from both Dallas and Houston. Yeah. Give or take. I mean, you're, I, you're it's the further tex- away from Dallas. You're the tech expert It's, it's here, more like so. five hours from Dallas. It's a portmanteau of the week. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, but it's a totally different world. San Antonio, again, is a totally different world. I mean, you're... Um, I, I, think, I, I think the fact is... As, as we mentioned a bit last week, uh, when I brought up my um, Gehenna story to uh, to Peter, I wrote that after after our podcast last week. Didn't yeah, we? you did. So I wrote a story uh, you can see on fifty five one about the idea that if MLS is going to stop expanding at some point, there is going to be these these good markets. San Antonio will be left out, and are they going to be happy in USL? Are they going to just start? You know, fighting and fighting MLS like NASL did. Well, know? let's actually let's talk about that a little bit more because we don't have a ton of news to kind of catch up on Minnesota United. So I think we can spend a lot more time on this because you you put a lot of words into this too. Yeah. So you're prepared. Um, I'm not going to ask you to rank the twelve out of viability or say like these five are technically viable. These yeah. three could be in theory, you know, because that's so arbitrary and there's yeah. so much we don't know about the bid process. But I think that you raise a really interesting point here. Um, and I would say this if it were any other writer too, where it's what happens to these clubs that don't. You yeah. look at, I'm just going to cherry pick one, North Carolina FC. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Steve Mallett comes in, he buys the team in early 2015, was it? Uh, yeah. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. And gets like a smart rebrand. Uh, you can you can say whatever you want to about it being a lazy name or not the most inspiring crest, but it was smart. That was a marked upgrade over the Railhawks brand then goes ahead and purchases the defending NWSL champions to bring them in to show that the triangle is a viable market. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so it's a local owner who's got secure money, now has interest in fielding two top-flight teams. Mm -hmm. Well, interest in fielding two, but has one right now. Let's say North Carolina FC, which is kind of seen on the outside looking in, at least objectively at this moment, for getting those four spots. And even if Miami falls through, they're not looked at as kind of, oh, mm-hmm. they would take over the fifth. That's kind of Tampa in my mind, at least. So then what happens? Do right. they, do, are, in Europe, is NASL enough? Or what would NASL have to change as they're going through this total facelift to kind of appease owners like Malik? I, I mean, I think that Peter Wiltz, you know, is, is currently the, the Pied Piper and not necessarily a, a, a bad sense of it for, for the league. I think that he's, he is, He's not the one driving their vision in the least, but he is providing other people around the country an alternate view of how they can have professional soccer. And I think that he's a person who's the most well-equipped person to do that outside of MLS. So um, so I think that there is an NASL 
way that they imagine going forward. But the fact is, at some point, they're going to stop playing nice because they're going to have teams. They're going to have to move into markets like Chicago. They're going to have to move into towns. And yes, there's room in Chicago for two teams, but they're still fighting for people, right? I mean, so like, will people play nice? I know they're, they're wanting to play nice now and they've learned a big lesson and everyone I've interviewed has been really contrite and, and, you know, um, I don't know. I I see a team like Tampa Bay probably getting left out of this expansion process. And to be honest, Tampa Bay, sure, Bill Edwards is a liability and he's not someone that uh, like a lot of the owners may want to work with. But they do have a team there that has a re- should reasonably be considered for, for MLS. And right. so if they get on the put on the outside, are they going to be happy? But uh, also... I put my whole theory to to Peter Wilt when I was interviewing him last week, and I and he said, "What makes you think that it's not going to be like any other uh, American sport?" And you know, they'll keep on expanding, and eventually, people will just buy up other franchises and move them. And that's a depressing. That's depressing as well. I just I I think twenty eight. It's a logical cap. Which is part of the reason that I'm even kind of entertaining the idea that yes, these would be the last four or five. When you look at Miami as well, yeah. I guess my thing is, as the NASL moves forward, you look at what happened in 2016, and even neglecting the stories like Ryo OKC and Fort Lauderdale, which is really hard for me to do personally, but if you're looking purely at how organizations were run, and you look primarily at the New York Cosmos and the Miami FC, hashtag branding, those clubs tried to spend in some ways like an MLS club. Not or yeah. no, they try to spend much more like a kind of a a not top four European league, mm-hmm. you know, where it's we're gonna buy in kind of the next best of, mm-hmm. and we're going to pay up the kind of lower end salary guys so they're higher, so they're happier, and hopefully they'll play better. That's not sustainable. And if you're looking and suddenly you say, okay, there is a Miami franchise across the the bay, mm-hmm. you know, and we can't compete with them or in, with what we saw in New York, where what's the, why are we putting in these, this $30 million over four seasons when we're the third team in the city? Yeah. So like, it's going to take some retooling for the league itself and for the clubs within the league in order for it to be kind of an appealing consolation prize, at least to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a longer conversation here. I, I think that um, uh, I, I think that NASL can find a way to get to a certain level, but but again, we've we've talked before about something like Orange County, that team, um, and apparently the league is very confident in Orange County. Hmm. Yeah, and I I don't understand why no one has fully given me the insight um and they're a bit more doubtful they're looking at san antonio san san diego excuse me that nsl team and i think they're a little bit more doubtful there of is this the right owner you know those Mm -hmm. types of questions yeah the same questions that have always kind of loomed around san diego as a soccer market so uh you named your four right yeah 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 okay got it let's let's move on we we didn't didn't intend to speak that long about those those guys but that's fine (laughs) the weird let's go weird so um david wagner um, former U.S. men's national team player, now coaches Huddersfield. He, uh, they're in third place, uh, just outside the uh, the automatic promotion spots. So his team was tied one-one 
Huddersfield was 1-1 with Leeds, Gary Monk's Leeds, and they scored in the 88th minute, 89th minute, and Wagner goes and runs down the side of the pitch, and all the players are jumping on top of each other, and he jumps on top of them. And then he kind of runs back, and Gary Monk kind of steps in his way, and they kind of, it looks more like Wagner just kind of runs into him, and then they kind of have words, and it, it's not... It's not. Did Monk steal Wagner's lunch money after that? Yeah, exactly. Because it sounds like it's that kind of maneuver. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, Wagner had, looks like he could steal uh, Monk's. Uh, Monk is kind of a, a, a small, squirrely guy. Uh, anyway, but that's like the brain. So, if you're in the, we're going animaniacs on this one, baby. Yeah, it's like the brain. You don't have to necessarily be the biggest one to get the lunch money. Yeah, he loses true. his money anyway. That's true. This is not. So the point. they had some choice words for one another. They're both sent to the stands, and now there's uh, there's a little bit of. Uh, you know Wagner's, uh, or, you know Monk being like, "Oh, this is this. Oh, I say, this is not the way we behave in England." And Wagner's <laughs> like, "Oh, yes, we are, we are. The I do not know if they are not excited in England, but in Germany, this is what we do. We have passion." Yeah. Uh, major credit to Sky Sports for letting us use that direct transcription yeah, yeah, of the you. conversation on the side. Uh, quick hat tip as well um, to Kyle Eliasson. Uh, who broke news about an hour before we started recording this. Yeah, we haven't even night. fully read the article. No, so, so thanks, Kyle. Um, the the gist of it, and we're going to get Kyle on at some point as we get closer to the Minneapolis City season to talk about City and what's going on around the club for year two. And I think a part of that we're going to ask about this U.S. Open Cup thing, <laughs> which means but we won't have to read it. What but basically what happened is that uh, Minneapolis City had entered as a amateur side into some play-in games that were played last fall to be a part of the 2017 U.S. Open Cup. They beat Oakland County in like October, and so they were supposed to be moving on to the next round, basically the first proper round of the U.S. Open Cup. However, because they switched from the PLA, APL? PLA. One of the leagues that contains the words League America Premier. Yeah. So the LAP. They left the LAP. The American League Premier, the ALP. The ALP. They left the Alps, and they moved on to the NPSL, uh, into the North Division. And as a part of this, because they're an amateur side moving from league to league, that, according to U.S. Soccer Federation rules, uh, bars them from competing in the U.S. Open Cup for this cycle. So they're going to have to go back at it um, for the 2018 campaign. It's a real bummer for them. I mean, yeah, it's a real... I I haven't read. I know um, Kyle spoke to spoke to Dan Honeman of, of Minneapolis City and got some quotes and so. But yeah, check out that that article and um, yeah, real bummer for the guys who like they they all. This was a big deal. Getting that U.S. Open Cup spot is a really big deal for the. And it helped maybe them sign they, some guys too, probably. It, I mean, best best case scenario, they play. Des Moines menace and get a PD a, a game, but regardless, it's just getting a little bit of a, a chance to to do something. It's it's a real bummer. Um, so let's take a break. We'll come back and it's Minnesota United time. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about Minnesota United now. They announced over the weekend that the de- they were their plans to have their development academy start, uh, and it's starting with the youth. Uh, this is what Brian Korstad reported uh, sometime a couple weeks ago. Yeah. 
And what it's going to consist of is the U13s and the U14s. Basically, there were two ways that they could have gone about starting their academy. Uh, one is kind of the, the quick and direct route to get homegrown players, um, which would have been the U15-16 because they're closer to being the age where they're ready. But Minnesota would prefer to be able to build their players from the ground up. And so I think that would mean the second year they would install the 15-16s so the players could continue through if they signed at 14. Yeah. I, I'm I'm the, the politics of... Youth soccer are way beyond me. That's why I let Brian write the... Not let him. Brian writes those stories because yes, yes. he knows it he all. He gets it. But um, uh, I, my impression is that because of the way Minnesota Thunder Academy was launched and kind of just bundled in and bundled some other, uh, you know, lots of people uh, who have their little kingdoms uh, made them upset, um, they... This way, they can bring in their they can bring in youth and bring them up themselves rather than launch at a certain age group and then they're poaching players from all these other teams. I I guess it makes sense. It doesn't make sense on a MLS level. You know, it, it won't. They won't be reaping benefits for this for a little while. But let's be honest, the Minnesota Academy. It's not going to be the Dallas Academy. Um, they're always going to be struggling for talent that way um, because there are, there's just fewer players here and there's fewer talented players as opposed to the, the Texas area or Southern California or New Jersey. That's fine. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on, on how they're doing this, but they're doing it and it at least is uh, doing it in a more uh, politically savvy way, it seems like, but who knows. Back to the team in the woods. Yes. Uh, men for reuse in the lead-in. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota United played a friendly on Friday against NK Istra and had absolutely no coverage of it. They had a highlight package that came out at the end of it. Yeah. So you're able to see, um, they're calling him Mean Gene. I didn't know that was a thing, but uh, Eugene Sterikov uh, scored another goal off of a nice cross from Kevin Venegas. If Carl were still coach, he'd be Gene Genie, but... <laughs> Gene Genie or Sleepy Gene or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, or actually, no, it would be a far more uh, communist name. He would just call him uh, Solzhenitsyn or something like or, that. Or just call him Starikov yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Gorbachev. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, look, they, they've they've already taken a bunch of flack on, on Twitter about this, but if they would have just called this a closed-door scrimmage, that would have been fine. I think people would have been annoyed, but whatever. But, but the preseason friendly... It's a chance to hype people up. It's mm-hmm. a chance to, to get fans in. And it's more than just... I, I don't know. I, I get this impression that people think it's like just a small group of really vocal people. It's a way to get people involved. It also means that we, we didn't even really write a story on it because we had no information and no access to it. Um, and it's just it's a chance to get things out there. Uh, it, it kind of a little bit baffles me. Um, I don't think there's really anything we learned other than that there are the 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 players like Schuler and Demidov and Alvaga. Um, uh, who who were the other guys back? Calvo was Calvo playing. Calvo and uh, Molino. Yeah, Molino was playing. I don't know if Vene. Uh, I think Johan was injured Johan, a little bit. He yeah. had something. They're in the team now. Good thing is I I, I have been able to speak with a, a few people a little bit just to get kind of uh, you know their impressions and. Uh, I, the the impression I've heard about Schuler is that he's just the shit. 
and that he just like he's a terrier and that he's got a great touch the and that Schuler and Molino were very impressive uh overall since they they've, sure. they've joined up with the team not just in that in that friendly so that is a that's encouraging to me I liked hearing that Schuler could you know was had a bit of weight to him and and uh could do some of the dirty work because mm-hmm. you know we've talked about the fear that you don't have a number six, but maybe you don't need a you know Warner was right. certainly has certainly been doing a little bit of that. But if you've got guys who can kind of all do that part, that certainly would help. Yeah. Um, one other note about the remainder of the preseason, or at least the next installment. Um, we're recording this on a Monday night. On Tuesday morning, Minnesota United will fly out to Portland for the the simple invitation. I'll put a bird on it. It's yeah, not, not simple actually. They, they, what it's did just they change the Portland it to? Great. Inv- yeah. Okay, yeah. they're flying out to Portland, and uh, the three matches that they will be playing in Portland will be streaming on YouTube. So yes. we will be able to watch all three of them. Uh, the schedule is on their website. I think we also put it up in some form on fifty five one. Question. And we'll also know who's traveling with them. They were supposed to let us know today, but I think that we'll know tomorrow and, and hopefully get that out. If nothing else, we'll just look at the inevitable airport photos that they take. Yeah, seriously. We just need to, like, someone someone send uh, uh, Christian a, a secret message and be like, can you only do your photos of people who are not currently on the tour? <laughs> um, yeah, so I have a question. What... And this is actually related to to Kate Sophia sent in a question, which was, uh, how should we define success for a preseason tournament? And with that def- definition, will United be successful? And I was just going to ask, are they going to get their asses kicked in Portland like they did last year? Not like last year, no. I mean, they're just they're better players this year. They've Hopefully, also, re- uh, Viva won't get two red cards in right the, in and Tiago a third. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that. They also don't have Damian Lowe, who was their only goal scorer in that tournament. So, bummer there. Um, but no, I, I I don't think they're going to get their asses kicked like that. I mean, maybe there will be like a step behind a Portland or a Van- not even a Vancouver or an RSL. I think those are the three teams we'll be up against. I mean, everyone's early. It's when we saw this last time. It was like February twenty third, something like yeah, right. It was it was basically a week before. Uh, first kick for MLS, and then NASL had another yeah. month. Yeah, so we're already seeing. Because I was just worried. That, I mean, they've only been together a week and a half, right? I mean, some of those players have only been there three days, right? Are they fit? Are they ready to go? Are they? Do they know each other's names enough? Um, but I think that other teams will be similar in that in that similar boat. I, mean, I think they, so. they'll have a little bit more built-in chemistry. Every certainly. team started within one or two days of each other yeah. for MLS. So they'll be on the same level, whereas they had been about three weeks behind the yeah. MLS curve, not to mention anything with player ability. So I don't think they'll get their asses so, kicked. So what is success for this tournament? Uh, learning each other's names would be nice. Okay. Um, learning how each other plays on the field. I, it's it's much less to Alvbag? me. Is it Alvbag? Alvbag? Alvin Bag. Um that's going to be a big part of it, is just get the chemistry down. Just understand who plays what, what the coach is asking for in the system. Get the Jamie was on last week and talked for about three hours about Adrian Heath's tactics, and it was spot on. I mean, every player who has the ball has two or three options. Every player without the ball has two or three options. And if they can just kind of get those options in sync and master one option per friendly, yeah. that's all that really matters. And then they've still got time after that to go to Orlando and to go to... 
I think they might have one more game somewhere. So um, no, that's it. I think it's Orlando. Just the Orlando after that. So yeah, yeah they've, they've still got time. Um, but yes, results would be cool to be able to say that you've won. But I don't think it's damning if they drop six points in this invitational. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I think the success for this is simply a no big injuries. And B, doesn't matter. I, I mean, the, the success is only if they win on uh, March third, right? March fifth, third, third. Okay. Yeah, opening kick. Um, yeah, I mean that's it. Like they, they can lose six nothing all three of these games. Doesn't matter. That's mm-hmm. not like. But will we be panicking up until March? 3rd? Actually, I think they should against Portland to yeah. give Portland a false sense of security going into yeah. March third, and then we beat them like fifteen to nothing. Yeah, that's wow, feasible. Uh, just just a, a little bit uh, on uh, Bashkim Kadri. It is very close to happening. Um, I, I mean, we've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but I did I did learn that he and his agent flew to Arizona. Um, to meet with the team, he didn't uh, kick around the ball at all with the team, but but he met with them. So I mean, that's a pretty good sign that you've got this guy coming out. Um, so it, it's it's imminent. I, I expect I expect he'll be in Portland, uh, and we'll, I would guess and we'll so see too. him uh, this. When's the first preseason game? Um, Thursday, Thursday or Friday, yeah. And then Sunday again. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Um, so just to just to touch back on this, what is left? For the team, you've got 22 players, right? Right, and that's counting uh, Ish Jome. Uh, Kadri would make 23, uh, and those are two expected signings that we would see. And then uh, Alec Farrell would make 24. Um, and then you're looking at like a Dave Liardi or a Tanner Thompson, and those are players that I think would be USL loan candidates, and Jome would be to an extent too. So that's four spots, we'll say. Um, and then you need two fullbacks. Two fullbacks, I agree. Um, that's the biggest area of need and that's not even uh, that's removing any sort of how do you rate JD and Viva we went through the entire 2016 season with them as the only true fullbacks on the roster yeah and when JD picked up his red card uh which he gets every year um he was on the bench obviously Brent Coleman slid over to left back Tampa Bay ended up scoring four goals against Minnesota at Nessie yeah. Um, and then when Viva went down injured in that friendly against Bournemouth, uh, Jeb Brodsky filled in admirably, but it was a totally different but, team and, for the rest Damian of the year. But Damian Lowe at right back was terrible. That's right. And that was actually three weeks, wasn't it? So yeah. we've seen it, and we've also seen it against lesser competition and with lesser players around them. Yeah. So you you can't afford to have the fullbacks be a total drop off if anyone well, gets hurt. And and, and I don't. I I feel like people. It's like because uh, Matt Doyle uh, talked about the team recently in an article and, and said that you know you need to have fullbacks there and and then um, some of the comments are as if like well people don't people don't expect JD or Viva to be. it's not like we're saying JD and Viva absolutely cannot hack it on MLS they certainly like all these other guys have a lot to prove I think less to prove than than someone like I think I have more confidence in Christian making the jump. But these guys can certainly do it. They just have to prove it. But in no way would I go to a team with them as my pe- written in pen yeah. starters. Maybe and, they'll prove themselves yep. and they'll become starters. But you need to sign MLS fullbacks there or else 
You are fucked. And if even, let's say that you have the the two best fullbacks in the league um, in MLS, and you have them, you still have to have backups. Right. That's just part of it. So even if you're the most bullish yeah. uh, JD dog or Viva Vixen, uh, we're going to create fan wow. groups okay. for them. Wow. You're welcome. Um, even if you're members of those fan clubs that I just arbitrarily created, you have to admit that you want a backup so that if one of them picks up a knock or if they just are too tired from wandering around a Pizza Hut car park the night before that they want to... Um, that's a true story about one of the two of them, by the way. I was at uh, the Bulldog, and I saw one of the two of them wandering around the Pizza Hut parking lot for about ten minutes before getting into a car. I will let the listeners and you guess. Were they on the phone? They weren't on the phone. They were just wandering and looking, like for a car or something. So if they spend too much time out at a Pizza Hut, this is during the 2016 season, um, and and they can't start, then of course, of course you're going to want a backup. Yeah. That was part of the reason that we all wanted to see Jeb Brofsky come along, is yeah. because we were impressed with him as a right back. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact is, when people worry about this team, they should not... The, the best 11, if you get two medium, just fine, okay MLS fullbacks, the best 11 out there are a really damn good team. Yeah. But the problem is depth. It has nothing to... You're, the success in MLS has... Um, Get you oh, the first eleven will get you so far. Mm-hmm. They'll get you to eighth place. Depth will get you anywhere else. Yeah. I mean, and and so that's the problem. The problem is you've got depth in center of midfield. Maybe not all of them can hack it. You'll find out, and then some guys will go away. Mm-hmm. The team will change a lot this year. But the the problem is it is really thin in some spots. And you look at I mean the difference between clubs like two clubs that we're gonna see in the next week. You're gonna see the Vancouver Whitecaps and Royal Salt Lake. Vancouver had a pretty decent starting eleven going into the season, but they had no depth. Yes. And you look at RSL, who probably had a less impressive starting eleven, but they could pull young players like Justin Glad, uh Omar Holness, yeah. uh Luke Mulholland off the bench. Um not a young guy, but he was on their bench. Mm-hmm. And they were able to get like the fifth seed in the West mm-hmm. and are still set up to make the playoffs again this year. You need the depth. You absolutely need and it. That that is actually why when people make predictions about how this team is gonna do they're doing it based on the first eleven, and that's complete shit. Mm-hmm. Like you need to you need to look beyond that and that's why everyone's predictions are always so wrong. Right. We've been holding off, and we have this conversation pretty much every week of is this the week to compare um definitively the Atlanta United and Minnesota United rosters. And we're waiting until, we're until waiting. there's fullbacks. Yeah, until there's like 25 guys aside, we aren't going to be able to do that. As far as fullbacks that I would look at, um, just to kind of close out this little fullback rant, um, on MLS rosters, who I think Minnesota United could pretty easily acquire, Zarek Valentin is one. He is in Portland, and he is buried behind their fullbacks. Uh, I mentioned him before the expansion draft, but Ray Gaddis would be awesome. Mm-hmm. He was... Uh, I mean, he literally won the cover vote from the Philadelphia fans for you know how they have those like printout FIFA covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they choose he won the year before yeah. they drafted uh, Keegan Rosenberry. Yeah, and they just drafted Aaron Jones, who I randomly wrote a piece about on fifty five one. Right, hey, for reasons. Why not? Yeah. Um. Okay, let's take a break. Come back, and it's question time. Welcome back. 
to the 55-1 podcast. It is question and answer time. Uh, I'm on Twitter at MNNiceFC. I have been getting some emails, which are fantastic. Wes Berdine at 55.1. Jeff Reuter at Jeff Reuter. Yours is is easy, as long as someone can spell your name. Which is harder than you would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Which was my senior class poll win, by the way, harder than you'd imagine. We're going to move on to questions here. The first one <laughs> comes from yeah. Luis Hernandez at Delta Reaper. Uh, America is under assault by immigrants. How does one justify all the American jobs your Ticos have taken? That's a good illustration. Um, well, considering the fact that uh, Luis himself is Costa Rican and he's taken uh, other blogging, uh, sitting in pajamas, blogging jobs. Uh, I, I mean, it's the worry is more these these Scandinavian guys coming over. <laughs> I mean, like... How many IKEAs can you can you have? There's only one, one in yeah. Minnesota too. Yeah, I mean taking all taking all the college students' jobs by uh, by by coming over and, and putting uh, IKEA furniture together for just people. I, it, it's shameful, is, is what it is, Louis. Sad. So thank you for yeah. Sad. Uh, Soccer obser- observation asks: When will Minnesota United FC finally see the light and sign Starikov asking for a friend? First off. What kind of friend do you have who keeps asking you about Eugene Starikov? Oh, he's uh, a Ukrainian friend. So soccer, uh, uh, okay. soccer observer okay. on Twitter is Ukrainian okay. and has been going crazy about Starikov ever since. I was going to say this is the most niche American soccer fan you could imagine yeah, yeah. to keep asking. Like, have you heard about Eugene? Because he is a dual citizen. Yeah. So I think I mean that also goes to answer the question, yeah. which is it's going to be soon because he isn't an international. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this. Minnesota United traded 50k of Gam and a third round pick to get another international spot so they can retain all the internationals and bring in Bashkim Kadri. Um bit hefty price for an international. No, spot. I wouldn't say. So I mean, we just saw 50k in a first round pick trade for Lawrence Olam who's 32 yeah. in a center back. So anything's possible at this point. Okay. And Minnesota traded the third round pick this last year for Joe Greenspan, which means Minnesota United might not make a third round choice in the Super Draft until 2019 their third draft. That they're probably okay with that. I think they should keep trading it. Like that yeah. should just be their calling card. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, yeah, they're not going to sign him. So uh, th- there's another question, Sarkov. You don't think they will? No, I mean they don't. They don't have enough room on the for for another they forward have four or for five guys. Why know. not? They've I mean, got if- Femi. Femi is the, your third striker. So, right. I mean, Fair. do you need a fourth striker? Unless you think that he can play ten. He's scored two goals, but they've both been easy tap-ins. So yeah. I, I think. Um, so I I actually copied the wrong question here, but it was a question. Asking about, um, oh, crap, it was asking about how other teams, what other teams put together uh, a, a kind of uh, from the bottom up. Oh, so like the, expansion d- teams. Doing, doing Minnesota style with no DPs or, or something like this and, and trying to build build uh, over a long few period, longer period of time. And we're going to really warm the hearts of uh, Minnesota fans with glimmers of hope, especially the Philadelphia entry. Well, Hit well, it. yeah. I mean, so I, I, my first thought was Montreal because I remember them going from NASL to, um, into MLS, and they kind of built together this this core group. And USL uh, Orlando did something similar. But Montreal signed Marco Devio in May of their first MLS season, and Marco Devio was a very good de- designated player. Yes, he was, and he wasn't a cheap designated player. Uh, Portland uh, signed. Uh, Diego Chara in the in April of their first season, 
And Philadelphia Union, who ha- were when they came in, people were using very similar. Oh, they're gonna have a blue collar aesthetic. That, that I mean, the Union. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I mean, people were like, the Union. Yeah, people were relying on lots of stupid cliches to describe this team. But this blue collar aesthetic. Well, I mean, I guess you can call it blue collar, but. Um, so, but Philly signed their first uh, designated player came a year and a half into their existence, and who was it? Freddie Adu. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, okay. I wrote the whole TP series. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Freddie is now on loan or on trial in Portland. Yeah. And fuck might end up in Montreal too. So we could make this full circle, which means yes, Minnesota United will make Freddie Adu their first designated player in about five years' time. Oof. oof, oof. Get ready, retirement league. Um, the answer is not too many teams. Uh, I, I mean, the, the best, the best, uh, correlation is to Philadelphia Union, which yeah. is not an encouraging sign, right? Well, they made the postseason their second year and then yeah, they had a four year layoff. Philadelphia Union have, are the cheapest team in the league in terms of like, literally don't have as much money as, as True, all these other owners. But they also had a coach who spanked players. That is true. So that might be a leg up for Minnesota already. Um, Michael Deneen asks, why hasn't Farrell been signed yet? Money? Not money. I'm okay. guessing what it is is, I mean, again, we knew that he'd be hurt for the first two months. Yeah. And uh, Marius thinks that he had the highest ceiling of any goalkeeper in the draft, which is why he was the first goalkeeper taken. But it's just making sure that, yeah, he'll be able to recover. I wouldn't worry about it. This isn't like a holdout situation Do you know to when me. they would have to sign him by? Um, this Not even the season kickoff. I think that they've actually got a little time after the that. The thing is, like, if you're telling someone you've got time, wait until you're fit. Yep. And then you're saying, we're not going to sign you until you do this. He's going to rush himself back. Yeah. I mean, it's not a... Unless you can point and say, or like you put him with the training staff and say, don't rush it back because we have two goalkeepers ahead of you on the depth chart. Classic Minnesota United signing someone way after they should have. Whatever. Uh, Matt Axelson says, what are maybe five things we could look at, look for in the remaining preseason games? Perhaps, perhaps Jeff Fruder could feel this one. I think he's, I don't know if he's messing with you. I, I really hope he is. I, I want to believe he is. Cause so, so you wrote an article saying five things that we're going to look for in the... He basically just kind of jumbled the title of my article. Yeah, yeah. So, but give us a summary. Uh, what's, the, what are the, what's the number one thing that you, are, that you think we should be looking for? How will the attack line up? I think that's going to be the biggest thing for me. I mean, if you get Kadri in there as well, you've got Kadri, Ibarra, Molino, Venegas, Dunlady, and Ramirez competing for four spots, and only Ramirez has one spot. You know, the other five play multiple positions. And so it's... Adrian is was a goal scorer as a player. And Femi as well. And Femi. You know, I mean, so... But realistically, you're right, Femi. Right. So, but Adrian as a player scored goals. Adrian as a coach hates watching his team not score goals, which means he's going to try to find a way just to score goals, and that's the starting point. And then you assume that your defense can fill in from there. So that's my number one question is, how are they going to line up? I'm guessing, having not watched a minute of preseason time besides the highlight packages, uh, left to right, you've got Ibarra, Molino, Venegas, and then you've got Christian up top. That's my guess for opening kick on March 3rd. Uh, quick, kind of rapid fire. Second thing I'm watching 
is how does the midfield work with each other? We talked about it already. Um, if Schuler has a little bit more of that nasty that Jurgen Klinsmann loved, um, great. But making sure that the four central midfielders kind of are in sync with each other, because Saeed, Ibsen, and Schuler weren't believed to be kind of badasses in the mm-hmm. midfield. Um, defensively, can Joe Greenspan or Brent Coleman make a claim for the third center back spot, which currently is held by Jermaine Taylor um, or James Taylor? Uh, fourth is, is there enough goalkeeper depth? And is Elfberger ready to start an MLS? And fifth will be, what changes has Adrian Heath made to his system since his days in Orlando? Um, I'm not going to add anything to that. You don't have any, do you have no. any other questions that you would? No, ask? I think that's great. Uh, I mean, uh, I, th- those are the, those not are the what the jerseys look like, anything? No, I, I, I could care less. Are you going to buy it? Hmm. I don't buy one every year. No, I don't either. I haven't bought one since, uh, I think the first, uh, the first a powder blue kit. Oh, that's right. That one I, but I got. But it does seem kind of weird that they don't have the kits ready for opening week. Or like in the sense where like you couldn't buy it and have it shipped to you for opening week. Because I'm guessing that deadline may have passed. I don't but know. But that's pure conjecture. I have no idea. I don't get it anymore. One day shipping, Pony Express. You it's buy happening. them at the game, I guess. But yes, lots of things. Yeah. I, I, let me go to this one. Uh, what are benchmarks for, of success for a team and Heath for the next three years? Heath has been told that he has time, right? Yep. If they finish dead last this year, Heath will not get fired. That right. is the, our understanding. Yep. Or, I mean, that's the general understanding. And I think Heath probably has been given, uh, uh, I would assume that he would have come in and, and wanted guarantees on, on things like that. Um, but what would, I guess, what's the bare minimum? What would it take for him to get fired is one question I have. But then what's the other way that we would say this is this is really this is a good year? Uh so I'll go first. Yeah. Pessimistic is if they're still in the cellar in the middle of year two in twenty eighteen and they haven't made any progress towards getting out of the cellar. I think that's reasonable. Um still I'd give him two full years. I mean that's just kind of where I sit with it. If of course, eleventh in the West or 12th in the West in 2018 once LA joins, or 11th in the East, or however the hell this get, the conferences are going to look right. next year. Um, yeah, I mean, that wouldn't cut it, I don't think. But Minnesota, for me, the biggest benchmark is by 2019, make the playoffs. That's what I want to see. That would be success for you. That would be success for me. And so, you, so two years, fine, but the third year, you want to see play... You, Portland Timber style. That's what Portland Timbers did. The first two years were awful to watch. They were kind of fun in moments yeah, because I mean, they, they, had were, to, they had to... Did Spencer get them to the playoffs? No. Or, yeah, wait, did Spen- was Spencer the coach in 2013? I think he was. Okay. And then 2014, they bombed and brought in Caleb Porter. Or, no, that was like... 20- anyway. I'm blanking on I'm blanking on who coached when, but... They didn't make the postseason until the third year, missed the fourth year, won the cup in the fifth, and I think that's the bare minimum for what Minnesota United. So should Porter do. got them to that that playoff, that yeah. first that first Must playoff. Have, yeah. He did, yeah. Um, what about you? What's what's uh, kind of a low ball, and then what's the what's the happy point? Uh, I I would say the similar to I think he gets two years, but you know two two years if in the second year come August they're still last place. And well, well in it, then yeah, then then I think you could deserveably uh, pull the trigger. Um, but benchmark for success, I would say this year is successful if they finish, uh, if if they have a shout at the playoffs, right? Yeah. If 
if they're they're within striking distance and, and don't get there. I would say next year I would I would think uh that would be I would up that and say that wouldn't be a surprise. That would be something I would really not expect but really want to see in the the third year playoff I think by the third year they should they should have they should no longer be thought of as new, right? That's they a good should be, way. To they look should at be it. in in the same fight as everyone else. Sure. And so uh, I think we'll we'll see about that. For me, I I think the 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 absolute baseline expectation that I have for this season is tenth in the West, not the cellar. That would be like the point where I'd be like, it wasn't as exciting as we hoped, but it wasn't absolute shit. And that's that's something like as long as you're better than I, I look at it and it's Houston, you can make cases for Vancouver, San Jose, um, Portland with their defense, you know, like not last. That would be my goal for this. Year. Yeah. Um, have you seen the OA? No, I have not. OK, I was going to get your opinion on it. All right. Next if one. anyone else has seen the OA, I, I just finished it this week and I, I enjoyed watching it. But everyone will say like, oh, the ending is um the OA, where it's on Netflix. Oh, it's a sci-fi show on on Netflix. I'm all good. about that. So uh, watch it. Binge next week. We'll talk about it. We'll have tons of spoilers, etc. Um, last question: Should fans be worried about the season ticket numbers? Oh, this is from Clark Star at Comfort Star. Um, yeah. Th- if the fan in question has season tickets or didn't want season tickets then I wouldn't worry about it. I don't think the fans should be worried about season tickets. You know? Meaning, I think, I, I, I took the question as, should we be worried that they're not, they haven't sold, they haven't sold out the Itasca, the 11,000? No, I still wouldn't. I, I, again, purely looking at it from a fan's perspective, I wouldn't. Just because it, you want to be at a game with a lot of people there, but your place is secure. No, I think that, but people want to see it be a, a people look at the, the absolute success in Atlanta and it's not reason realistic to, to look at it here, but right. uh, they want to see, I want this, this market to kind of surprise everyone. Everyone has low expectations for us. And my, my fear right now is that we're going to meet those low expectations. Um, still, even, you know, the, the the benchmark that was set for Minnesota United in the the new era was to get ten thousand people at games, et cetera, and we we never got that. The team was successful, but never never blew never went beyond that kind of things are going really well. Sure, it never blew anyone away. This feels really MLS one to me though to to make benchmarks off of attendance. You know, and that's something that the NASL has been doing every year since it started up again, is what markets pull this few. And part of that's also what stadiums do they have, how far in the boonies are they, stuff like that. But when the Twins inevitably suck by July, no one ever talks about attendance dropping. When the Timberwolves... But Sporting Kansas City still sell out every game. Yeah, but Sporting Kansas City are a perennial contender. And I think that's part of it. I think that actually has something to do with I, it. I don't Meanwhile, think... I mean, yes, it, counterpoint is you look at FC Dallas, and they don't. They they are far from selling out every game. I think if you are bringing something new, I would say, my answer to Clark is that I would not worry about season tickets. I would say second year, I would worry about season tickets. Yeah, I think they, that's fair. Because I think that people, well, even just my impression of talking to people, is that people are interested in uh, MLS coming, but they're not going to commit. 
Uh, and it's because it's not something fresh and shiny and new. And so the job of the team is going to be to capture those people at their games. But, you know, we, we've we been talking about this. I don't feel any buzz around the city about MLS coming. And so that, you're looking for like a and that like a big-ass billboard that's hung in downtown Minneapolis or something that says, MLS is coming. I don't know. Maybe that would do it. And maybe that's just stupid of me to think that. I don't think that's stupid. But I think that I now am legitimately wondering if they're going to sell out the first half of the season. Which before, you know, asked me a month ago, I would have said they'll sell out the first half of the season guaranteed. And then performance will. And then and then we'll, we'll and then then it'll be you know I would say it's automatic, but it's I don't think it's automatic. The thing I, is, I they'll get a whole second honeymoon once the new stadium is done. But we keep saying this. They should have a honeymoon now. Yeah. I mean, but that's, I think, I think you're right. It doesn't feel like there's a honeymoon before that. You know, and I think at a certain point you'd ask, when are we going to Cancun? I'm needy. Yeah. I've been I, working since our wedding, and yeah, I think it's about I don't time. Know. And, and, and there are obviously lots of things always going on that we can't see. Um, I've already reached out to the team to kind of, uh, talk to them and kind of get them to, to kind of, uh, maybe lay out publicly what their what their vision is um so so we'll see if they they are interested in doing that i don't know i am i am suddenly worried about it but not i don't they could they could prove me wrong and i hope that obviously i hope that they do i think the i am just worried about this like weird lack of buzz no doubt but i think that this i'm going to answer this the same way because i do have a lot of the same anxieties that you do about year one um and we've talked about these more in depth off of the mic uh, certainly, but I think I'm looking at this the same way that I'm looking at the roster, which is we didn't have a goalkeeper until three weeks ago. That's fine because we will open the season with one. And I trust that the, I trust that the front office understands that there will need to be some sort of push. You can't just expect that the national ESPN commercials that go out uh, between the three o'clock and four o'clock hour weekdays before part of the interruption will be enough to get fans locally to say, Hey, I should go to DCF bank stadium in March. You know, it, like I, I'm confident that there will be some, well, there, will be, push. there will be lots of buzz right, right before, right. Right. And you'll sell out the, the walk-up sales for that first game will be huge. I'm talking about May. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Well, as we've said, but, uh, what I've seen is lots of emails about referral programs for me to sell season tickets to other people, and that's about it. And so I don't know. It just has me worried. It's a general worry. I think that other people share that worry. I know they do. So what it comes down to, listeners, is if you get a phone call from West Burdine in a 763 area code saying, have you considered purchasing season tickets? <laughs> Wes has jumped the shark. Yeah. All right. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to uh, go. Um, thank you for the show. We'll be back next week, uh, and we will have two preseason games to talk about that we will actually have watched. It'll be beautiful. Uh, thank you. Uh, subscribe on this. Please leave a comment on iTunes and, uh, and all of that. Thank you very much.